We're going to continue in worship this morning through the word. We are been, we've been doing, and I, I think we'll see some, some story here, some similarities to the things that God had prepared for us today. But we are going to uh, continue our, our study, our look at the book of Luke as we pre- prepare to enter into the Christmas season and to see all that God has for us. I, I was thinking every week has kind of got a, a theme to it, and this week's theme is uh, Mother of God. And uh, I, I, I think uh, we look, we were up in the square last night looking at the nativity, and we have these kind of things. I have two nativities at my house, and we kind of tell the story of Jesus, but these characters become caricatures almost and not real people. And so part of what we're doing is to kind of look at the, the real way that God is doing amazing things in Christmas. And, and if, I guess if there's a theme that I'm seeing develop as we're studying through it, it's how God knits families together. And I don't just mean families like, you know, mom, dad, son, daughter, families. He does that. But also cousins, uncles, aunts, neighbors, friends, families. Indeed, I think that the overarching story of Christmas is how God is knitting his family together through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so um, we're going to be talking about uh, those things today. We've heard some of the stories, the character introductions, and some amazing things that God has been doing in our lives, some unexpected things. But today we're going to talk about the mother of God. And I I wanted to ask a question as we start, uh, considering what the word says today. How important is Mary to the Christmas story? How important is she to the story? I've asked you before, like, how would you bring about the coming of Messiah? What would you have done? What grand or, or minuscule way would you bring Jesus into the world? And we talked about how God chose to do that. But who is Mary and how important of a role does she play? Here's another question I wanted to ask as we get into I want us to be thinking about this in the back of our mind. And this is an honest question. Have we been fair to Mary? In telling the Christmas story, have we been fair to her? Because what we're going to hear today is a quite profound testimony of a woman who just believes that God can do something that seems impossible. So those are the two questions I want to start with. We're going to do what we always do. We're going to pray before we enter into God's word, uh, that he would inspire us to understand it, that we could actually be changed because we've encountered God through his word today. So pray with me, if you would. Uh, Father God, I thank you so much for the chance now we have to come into your presence again and to sit at your feet and to learn from you. I pray, Lord, that you would be our teacher not that there would be some kind of you know, man-made thing here or some great idea I've had, Lord, but that we would only clearly see the text, that, that you would have us to know, that we would only, to be straight, Father, that we would hear your word to us today. For every person gathered here right now, for every person who's praying with me, that they would hear the word from you, that you would teach us, each of us, and all of us, the very things we need to know to be changed by you. Father, I pray as much as we're able, we'd be open to that. We would set aside maybe some preconceived notions or some some things we've always believed to listen to your word and learn from you today, Father. May we be learners and you be our teacher. We pray you do this through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're going to look at Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 56. If you have a Bible, you can find that. It's the second book of the New Testament, or the third, I apologize for that. If you don't have one, on the end of the chair rows, there should be an orange Bible near you somewhere. Just grab one of those and, and look at the text with us. Um, Luke 1, 39. We're going to pick up right where we left off last week, and, and we're going to hear that in, as we go by way of introduction here into the text. This is what the word says. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town country, uh, I'm sorry, a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. 
Now, if you've not been with us, this is a bit of the story. And, and one of the things we notice right away here is it says, at that time, or it means in those days. In what days? I would encourage you to look back one verse and remember the last thing that Mary has said to Gabriel the angel about this great pronouncement that she was going to have a child. And there was all these things which we can't repeat today, but you can go back and read them about these great promises made about Jesus who's coming. But this is the last verse of the previous text says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. So Mary is open to whatever God is about to do. And in that time of Mary's being open to whatever God's about to do, the word says that she what? Got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. In fact, the place she hurried to um, was known as the mountain area, right? But it's probably not mountains as we would think of mountains, but it was definitely, um, it was, you know, it was a, a special area. And I wonder, why would Mary, after hearing this great pronouncement from the angel, why would Mary then hurry to the mountains to Elizabeth? What would motivate her, this young woman betrothed to be married, with this great revelation from God, to then hurry? The word says that she rose up, she arose, and went with haste in those days. Why would she go with great speed and diligence? The word says she went with enthusiasm to see Elizabeth. Do you have any idea why? Do you remember what Gabriel said to her about the promise that God made to her? He said, behold, Elizabeth. When she said, how can this be? How am I going to have a child? I've not been with a man. The angel responded to her, Gabriel. He said, behold, Elizabeth. That means go see Elizabeth. And Mary does. The word says that she enters Zechariah's house. You remember Zechariah? We met him in week one, I believe, of this narrative. He's still mute. He still can't speak because he did not believe. He said, how will I know that you will allow my wife to have a child? And so Zechariah is still mute when Mary shows up at that time, at his house. He enter, she enters Zechariah's house, and she greets Elizabeth. I, I, would, I would say um, this is, uh, as we get back into this text, we often think of the story of Christmas as being the miracle of the conception of Jesus, and it is. But it's probably fair to say that it's the miracle of two pregnancies. Isn't it interesting that God is not doing one thing but many things? He's not coordinating one opportunity with one person, but a whole bunch of things with a whole bunch of people. That he's bringing this moment of revelation to the household, to these people, indeed, to the people of God, Israel. She enters and she greets Elizabeth, and that means to um, hug or embrace. Uh, she was eager to draw near to Elizabeth to, to see, to behold this great thing she had been told. By the way, you'll recall that Elizabeth would be Mary's cousin, but she wasn't seeing her apparently regularly because she had to hurry to go see her where she was. The story of the Christmas begins with two miraculous pregnancies. They kind of break down like this. And I want to remind us of the story in case we've forgotten. Elizabeth, who could never conceive. Striking to me that the angel told Mary, you're going to conceive. And she's like, I've never been with a man. But Elizabeth hadn't had that problem. She had been with her husband her whole life and had never conceived a child her whole life. But you'll remember the problem that she had was not just that I'd never conceived, I've never been able to conceive, but the problem that they had, Zechariah, when he was talking to Gabriel, was that she's old, and so am I. This promise has passed us. There's no way. And so I can't help but notice this kind of juxtaposition of Elizabeth, who's had this life that's spent, that's over. There's no way this is ever going to be fulfilled for her. And this young woman who has her whole life ahead of her, she's about to have the perfect marriage. And this man, I would imagine it'd be a pretty perfect marriage, Mary and Joseph, what do you expect, right? And they, they would, I mean, I don't know, they probably had problems 
okay? But she's going to go into this, and just at the crust, just at the threshold of entering into this great moment of life, God says, oh, and you're going to have a baby before you're married. Congratulations. So it's almost like these two bookends, these two opposite things, where you have this elderly woman with this elderly man who has been told they're going to have a child and who is indeed six months pregnant, you'll recall, and then Mary, who's a virgin, pledged to be married, who's going to have a child as well. Remember that Mary's great faith was in God's ability to fulfill or complete the things that he says. See, this wasn't about Mary believing enough what God would do. It's because God said it was going to happen, and Mary said, well, if you say it's going to happen, it's going to happen. You'll remember I mentioned the rhema word, the word with power, not just for Mary, but for Elizabeth. And indeed, one final thought here, and why Mary would hurry to see, because how did Mary even know Elizabeth was pregnant? Because God told her through the angel, Gabriel. So she's only going because God said so. So in other words, there's a promise made to Mary. He's like, behold, Elizabeth, she's in the sixth month. Mary's got to be thinking, what? If, uh, how am I going to be pregnant? But if she's pregnant, anything's possible. And so she goes, and she, she's going to behold. So this, I can't help but think that as Mary's going, she's just excited to see what the promise fulfilled for Elizabeth and for herself. This means that when she shows up, she's going to get to experience the blessing of God because, you know, this is going to be true. If it's true, it's true. If it's not, it's not. But it's going to be true when she gets there. So that's the setup for today's text. Mary hurrying up the mountain to see Elizabeth. Then let's read on. Verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and in a loud voice she exclaimed. I just want to stop before we get into her exclamation, what she started to pro, pro, uh, uh, proclaim aloud. When Mary shows up and greets Elizabeth, and I've told you all this before as a church family, but the baby in her womb leaps, right? That's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is that she's filled with the Holy Spirit. And the third thing is she begins to profess truth about who God is, about what God is doing. Elizabeth does. It could be said here, well, that's because she heard Mary coming, right? But we're going to find out that the reality is that it's because Jesus has entered the picture. I want to kind of pull back from the story and say for a minute that there is a threefold kind of truth to what's being uh, revealed here that when Jesus shows up in our lives, he brings joy. Even, and, and it's worth saying here, by the way, even to a child in the womb. That's remarkable to me. That Jesus' presence will bring joy to a child in the womb. It's, it's not lost on me that, um, that uh, these are two moms having this crazy encounter with these children, having their own crazy encounter. He leapt in the womb. The second thing is that when Jesus shows up in your life, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. We see this in Elizabeth. You'll recall this is not John being filled with the Holy Spirit because the word said what? He will be full of the Holy Spirit from conception. From the moment he was created by God, he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit, and he'll never have wine. So he's already had a proclamation about himself, but this is Elizabeth then being filled with the Holy Spirit at the hearing of Mary's greeting. And now the third is that she begins to see things the way God sees things. She begins to get, and I would say, it's fair enough to say, this is a special insight that Elizabeth has given in the moment. She didn't know this ahead of time. She wasn't waiting for the moment that the mother of, of, of um, Jesus would show up. Instead, she, uh, she just reacts to God's uh, revelation to what God is 
calling her to profess, to proclaim. And so you have this kind of remarkable encounter of the baby leaping in the womb. I was actually thinking about this. We've been talking about babies around here quite a bit. We have a brand new baby, right? Like a week and a couple days old. Um, we've got a baby coming in a few months. And maybe there's other babies in the room we don't know about right now. That kind of happens sometimes. And maybe, uh, you know, but all these children. But isn't it remarkable? I've been sitting at a table where someone's, and they go, they go, woo. Mom does that. Woo. And I just want to explore that for a minute, that in that moment, you begin to realize something about God's creation of children, that that person inside the stomach who's kicking and pushing and pulling and doing all this stuff has got his own, like, experience going, quite, quite indifferent to the world outside of him or her, right? They do that thing where they drag their foot around or they do this flip thing, right? And so that in and of itself would be enough of, woo! I mean, Elizabeth, when Mary walks in, says, whoa, Right? But it seems that she actually says he leapt when you came in. So that's the first thing, is that, that, that we have um, two people responding, uh, um, Elizabeth and John, to the presence of Jesus and Mary coming into the room. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and, and this is a, a normative experience for a believer in Christ. And I don't want to get too far out on this, but I do want to say that there, there should be nothing that we fear in our relationship with Christ that God would be revealing to us. We ought not be afraid. Some, I think some of us are kind of raised to be afraid of the revelation of God or the Holy Spirit. We, should, we ought not live that way. We ought to want more of God's revelation in our life. We ought to be open to his teaching, open to his word, open to things he would show us uniquely or for other people to understand. I mean, something that we could share with someone, which is what Elizabeth is about to do, share some profound truths. And then Elizabeth begins to cry out. The word says this, cry out in a loud voice, to look up and say loudly. Now, I don't know if she looked up and said it to Mary or looked up and said it to the skies, to God himself. I don't know who she's proclaiming to, but it doubles down on the idea that it was not just a simple statement. This wasn't some, like, you know, a theological conviction she came to. It was a revelation that she began to profess and proclaim to the world, to whoever would listen. I wonder, uh, do you believe that babies get excited when Jesus shows up in their life? Like, is that a normative thing? Do you believe that children get excited when Jesus shows up in their life? I'm reminded today that we have people right now who are back working in nursery and in blast, right? And, and uh, what is it that, that, that is uh, worth doing with children? What is it that God would call us to do in teaching children about Jesus? Is that not bringing all these possibilities into their life? Like John, I kind of feel that a little bit. Or, or here's another way to think of it. Um, we were told, when Dale asked me this morning, is there anything I need to share from LT? And I said, no, no, I just thought of something, actually. Um, uh, we were told by our friends at First Baptist that they want to do their own VBS this year. We're like, cool, no problem, right? But then that led a question that we asked. Should we do a VBS this year? So maybe. Would it bring joy into a child's life for them to hear that God loves them, that Jesus is, is real and present with them? And, that, and just to be able to pour, like Jeremiah Project does and like um, the Angel Tree Ministry does, and like all of you do in Blasted Nursery, to pour into the, a, a life of a child who maybe would never hear that from anybody? And I know you might be thinking, well, there's other churches. Yeah, and there is us. I, I told you before, I have a conviction about children's ministry. Uh, it comes, it's really simple. It's because of this. Jesus loves children. He just seems to love them, if you look at the text. <laughs> he, he's like, he's, he treats them seriously. He takes them seriously. He invests in them. And uh, he rebukes his disciples who would ignore children. He rebukes the disciples. Why would you ignore children? Let's don't do that. I'm not saying we should have VBS, by the way, but maybe. Hey, if you want to, talk to me, right? 
we'll, we'll set something up this summer and do a VBS. Or something else, some other way. Or maybe you've not volunteered for Blaster Nursery, and you can do that. Can you show a, a, a toddler or an infant in your arms the love of Christ? Can you, can you do that as a Christian? Can you witness to a child who's a week old? I believe you can. And I believe that they are joy-filled at the presence of Jesus. And we have the opportunity to do that. So, so then Elizabeth here begins to profess some things. Now we get into what Elizabeth professes here. Um, uh, let's see where we're at. Yeah. In a loud voice, verse 42, she exclaimed, Blessed are you amongst women, among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. That's where you get that line. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. The word actually reads the fruit of your womb, the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb, here she confirms it again, leapt for joy, right? This wasn't just like, oh, the baby moved. It was like, whoa, baby got super excited. We're going to talk about that in a moment as well. The child leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her he will accomplish. By the way, Elizabeth doesn't know what the Lord had said to Mary. All she said is, hey, Elizabeth, I'm here. Let's talk that through just for a minute. All the things that Elizabeth begins to say, being filled with the Holy Spirit, she begins to speak or shout or proclaim some truths. First the thing, first thing she says is that Mary is blessed amongst women. This ought to sound familiar to you if you've been here for the series because Gabriel said the same thing. The word is um, where we get the word eulogy. I talked about that, right? So it's, it's people speak well of you that you are spoken well of by other women. And, and Elizabeth uses the same words that the angel uh, Gabriel used to speak to Mary. You are blessed among women. You are spoken well of amongst your peers. That's the first thing that we see her say. The second is that the fruit of your womb is spoken well of. The baby you are bearing is spoken well of. People are going to be glad. You remember um, some, so, uh, the promise again that uh, he will bring great blessings to the nations, Right? And so Elizabeth is confirming that as well, that the fruit of your womb, that the child in your stomach, literally the word says, uh, the, the fruit in your stomach is spoken well of. And then she does this kind of exasperated thing where she says, verse 43, but why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And that verse tripped me out a little bit because Elizabeth is like, and who am I? that the mother of my Lord should come to me. And you think, now wait a minute, this is Mary, your cousin. Like, this would not be a stranger to you. You wouldn't just think this is like the, you know, the, um, the queen coming for a visit or anything, right? Like, but she says, she seems to be shocked in, in, in humility to have been so favored to have Mary visit her. This is no ordinary visit. She says, who am I that you would come? She's blown away that the mother of her Lord would come to her. But I want you to catch a little thing in there. Mary's the mother of Elizabeth's Lord. Like, don't miss that. That when Mary, show, when Elizabeth, when Mary shows up, Elizabeth recognizes that the child she's carrying is her ruler. That he's the king. She says the word kodios. It means Lord, commander, boss. Right? 
And she self-identifies. I just think sometimes we read that and we go, oh, yeah, Mary's like, wow. Or Elizabeth's like, wow, Mary came. And, and, and Elizabeth's like, wow, Mary, who's bearing my Lord, came. Right? So both are true. She's humbled because Mary would visit her, but she's humbled because the one who's bearing her Lord would come to her. It was, it was uh, a holy visit. It was a great blessing. And indeed, the child that Mary had yet to bear was the Lord of Elizabeth, this faithful woman of God. Then the next proclamation is, the Lord caused, I've lost my place here, I apologize, I'm completely on the wrong page, y'all. Let me get over here. The Lord caused uh, the child to jump in womb. As the, soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the child in my womb leapt for joy. Oh, there's a lot we can unpack here, but we'll just do a couple of things, right? The first is that there's this, there's this divine connection between a mom and a child, right? That the child, that the mom hears and the child responds to it. Isn't that interesting? That when your voice came to my ear, my child responded. That's kind of remarkable, isn't it? I don't know. I just think that's kind of interesting. So there's this like deep intimacy. There's kind of this mysterious uh, connection that God is, is uniquely working in childbearing and childrearing. Um, and so, uh, and, and again, let's not forget that this has been a barren woman <laughs> who said this is not be possible. And now she's got this connection where her child's responding to her experiences in life. But he says, or but she says, uh, as soon as the sound reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. John's excited. Uh, you, you, you know, this is not any ordinary thing. John is going to be the herald. We're going to talk about that next week, the birth of a herald. John's excited to get to work on this Jesus project he's doing. He's called to. He's, he's made for. And he responds in joy. He, he jumps, the mom, his mom says, in joy in her womb. Uh, she's, he's so excited, it would seem. Yeah, it, the, the word kind of breaks down like this. Jesus brought leaping joy to John, to baby John. Um, Jesus brought exhilaration to baby John. Jesus brought ecstatic delight to baby John uh, in utero. By the way, have you ever seen two kids start giggling with each other. Isn't that funny? Have one just laugh, another one laugh. And I know sometimes kids don't laugh, and they do it, and slap each other, and all kind of crazy stuff, right? But th this must have been like that turned to 11. Like just, you know, like, ah, he's so excited, you know? Um, we used to have these toys uh, when our kids were little. They were these little aliens, and they would jabber to each other, and when you pull them closely, they would just talk to each other. It was really weird, but I kind of think this is what's happening like with the two babies in the bellies. They're just like, woo, woo, woo! Like they're just like, it's gonna be awesome! And Jesus is like, it's going to be awesome. And John's excited. John's, John's leaping for joy um, in his mother's stomach. Well, praise God. Uh, this is one of the convictions that we get about Christmas. Uh, Christmas, this series is called Christmas Hope, but, but uh, Christmas is about a bunch of stuff. I love the song we sang today, but the, the, the law of love. That's a Christmas song, right? His law is love, and his gospel is peace. You've heard these words before, right? One of my favorite um, Christmas decorations we have in our house is this little bitty painting. Um, I'm not sure where it came from, but it just says joy uh, so simply. That, 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 the, that the gospel, that the coming of Christ brings joy to the world. 
that that kind of leaping and excitement, that kind of response that, wow, Jesus is coming, isn't just for John, but it's for us, that we can celebrate the joy of the season, that indeed we can celebrate Jesus. I just love that, that little thing. It sits in our kitchen on the holiday, and uh, I, just, I just was struck by that. I'm like, that's exactly it. It's joy. You know that song? Let it move you. Let it move you. And I choose. Come on, y'all. You, if you listen to that song, and you don't start to tap your foot and swerve the car a little bit, you're dead. You're not alive inside. Because I choose joy, right? Like, that's, what that, that's that response to the gospel. That's, that, that's that, uh, that blessing that God is real and present and active in your life. And we can choose to be joyful like baby John, man. Just stoked. The last thing then she says is this. I'm just going to read it from the word here. Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. The word actually reads like this. Blessed is the one who's believed that what God says is true. Blessed is the one who believes that the promises that God made will be fulfilled. That one is blessed. And in, that, that, in this case, that one was Mary, because Mary believed it, right? But and that's what Elizabeth's saying to Mary, but she's saying something bigger than that. She's saying, blessed is the one who believes that the things that God says is true. Now, there's an interesting thing here in the text, that this blessing is not the same as the, bless, as the blessing of Mary and the blessing of the baby in the, her womb. Those were eulogios, right? The, the, this is actually a different word, and it's... Um, uh, Macaria, not eulogio, and it means to be happy. So this is a little different. So the last thing that Elizabeth says about Mary is, and you're happy. Well, here's the question then. How are you happy in Christ? How are we happy in Christ? This is what the word says. If you break it down a little bit, it says to make long the favor of God, to extend a blessing. The, here's the truth about Mary's running up the mountain to see Elizabeth is that she had already been blessed by God and she had already been told the promise would come true and she had already believed the promise would come true. And yet in her action, in her going to Elizabeth and in her greeting Elizabeth and in her now hearing this great revelation and John leaping and all these things that are happening, she got to drag what began as a blessing here with Gabriel to this long experience of going up the mountain and being Elizabeth's house. This, this, to be happy in the Lord is to act on faith revelation that we can then experience the blessing of God. To, isn't that remarkable to you? To make his blessing longer. See, in other words, it reminds me of this, like you're in a spot and God says, I'm going to bless you. And you're like, praise God, I'm being blessed. But if you don't move off that spot in action into what God is going to do, you don't get to drag the blessing and extend that experience. And you say, that one time back there, God said something was going to happen. But instead you could say, he said that and I did this and he showed up over here. And, and, and she gets to be happy in the Lord. I'm just blown away by that, and I was stunned that it wasn't the same. I thought, oh, here's another blessing, and she's blessed again. Why is she double blessed? Because she took action, and what God has said was true. She believed it so much that she acted on it. You see, there's a reality in our lives that you don't truly believe the things you don't act on, right? Like if I said, I have a great deal for you, and you don't take the great deal, you don't believe I have a great deal for you. Because if you believed it, you would, do, you would say, I'll take it. I'll go. I'll do this. And, and, and Mary did. And she got to drag the blessing. I, I want to know, how can we do that in our lives? How can we just extend the blessing, God? We've already been blessed, but how can we extend that out? How can we make long the experience of his favor? 
That's the end of what Mary, or Elizabeth says. But now get this. We're going to turn the tables here. Mary answers. So, so she believed that what God said would be accomplished. And after this great kind of pronouncement by Elizabeth, um, and again, you have two moms here having this experience. Now Mary uh, answers. The word says, and Mary said, but, but it actually says, and Mary answered this way, as if Elizabeth asked her a question. Here Mary's going to say some stuff about the experience now. So you've heard kind of Gabriel testify, you've heard Elizabeth testify, and now you're going to hear Mary testify about the experience. Listen to what Mary says. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. That's the two things that she says immediately. My soul, my CK, glorifies the Lord or, or, or magnifies the Lord. I actually would say that's how I would define this. Mary's magnification of God. Mary's magnification of, what does the word say? The Lord. And her spirit rejoices with God, her Savior. That's the testimony Mary gives upon this great blessing from Elizabeth. My soul magnifies, declares the greatness of God and of my God, of my Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. What's Mary excited about now? Is Mary excited because of who she is and all of how special she is? No, she's excited about who God is and how awesome God is and all God is doing. And her soul and her spirit rejoices, joins in the celebration of all that God is doing. Why? Look at 48. This begins to be Mary's confession about her experience of God entering into her life. 48 says this, For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. She's saying, I don't deserve this blessing. He's been mindful of my humble estate, the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, she says. And that's the eulogio again, the same one that, 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 that was said twice to her. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Like, he's worthy. So he saw my lowest state. All generations would call me blessed. And the mighty one has done great things, mega things. His name is holy. His mercy extends to those who fear him. So your next proclamation is his mercy extends from generation to generation and he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. And he has brought down the rulers from their thrones. But he's lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he sent the rich away empty. And he's helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. So Mary begins by saying, I celebrate what God is doing, and my soul, my spirit celebrates with God into this narrative of his recognition. And it starts small, kind of like we heard with um, the, uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth, and then it begins to broaden out into this bigger and bigger picture. It's very much what Gabriel says to Mary, too. It starts out small, and it gets bigger and bigger, than what's God gonna, what God's going to do through Jesus Christ. And so she says all these things. Uh, his name is holy. His mercy, one of the things she proclaims in there is that his mercy is for generations and generations, for all those who are fearing him. So it's not just a promise for her. It's not just a promise for Elizabeth, but it's a promise for all the generations that were to come, will, will be to come and who fear the Lord, that they are going to be blessed like this. She says that he has shown a strength of his own ability, his own arm. 
This isn't about what anyone else has done or anybody else could do, but only what he could do. He has scattered, this one is interesting to me, he has scattered the proud of heart in their deepest thoughts. And I'm like, what does that mean? He scattered the, he scattered the proud of heart in their, in their deepest thoughts. And I, I, as I read that, I understand it to mean that, um, that in our quiet time, do, what do we believe God is capable of? And do we think that we're capable of more, that's pride of heart, than what God can do? And, and her, her kind of uh, um, witness here is that he's like just scattered them, just made them irrelevant. That the people who, this is why we cannot judge our current life based, our, our real life on our current situation. That's what I think. You can't look at your life and rightly assess it when you're in the Lord. You cannot do that because he's scattering all these things that we think, that's success. That's perfect. That looks so great over there. And he's like, no, those are people who are proud in their heart. Now, I'm not saying that everyone who's succeeding is proud in their heart. That's not what I'm saying. But we can get proud in our heart through our success and ultimately be scattered by God. And that's part of her confession here is that, that that's what God's doing. He's scattering those who are proud in their innermost thoughts, their deepest thoughts. They ultimately think, yeah, but I know better than God. And that's not Mary's testimony. He brought down the rulers from their thrones, kings. He, he dragged them from their thrones, the word says, right? Um, and he has lifted up the humble, so he's brought people low and lifted other people up in this same way. He's filled the hungry with good things, but he sent the rich away empty. Again, if you don't see that, that's like, don't judge by the current situation you're in, because he has filled the hungry with good things, but he set the rich away empty. He sent them away empty. They've had their fill. That's not because they're rich. It's because they don't need him. That's the danger, is that we would think we don't need God in our lives. And he has helped his servant Israel remembering his mercy. God remembers his mercy. And then she says this big thing, just as he told our forefathers, Abraham and all the descendants, right? So that's Mary's proclamation. Last thing, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months, and then she went home. I go, huh, interesting. Well, why did she stay three months? Anybody have any idea? Do you remember it said, in the sixth month, God sent an angel, the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the town of Galilee, that six-month Elizabeth pregnancy, Mary hurries to see Elizabeth, and three months later, I'm not really good at math, three and six, nine months later, right, from the revelation, she goes back home. I don't know if she stayed for the birth of John. doesn't say that, but man, she must have just right up to the, either she stayed or right up to the very moment, and then she left. Remarkable. She sticks around after that to hang out and just have a great blessing. Uh, so that's one, you know, why did Mary stay three months? But here's another question. I ask you at the beginning of the day today, how important is Mary to the drama of Christmas? Have we been fair to Mary? See, here's one of the problems. And I had this experience as I was preparing. I get so excited for Mary and all the things she's doing. I'm like, oh my, that's amazing. What a, Mary's blessed. I mean, she said it. All generations call me blessed. Oh my gosh, Mary. Wow. She's so lucky. I mean, she's so blessed. Lucky is the right word, right? And I just, in awe of Mary. And, and, and then um, the problem is that some of us get so excited about Mary, then we're tempted to actually worship Mary. We think, it's because it's, it's Mary. It's because she's so special. And she is. She's so blessed. And she, she's so favored. And she is. And then I, I read this. This comes in, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11. Jesus is born by this point. Uh, 11, 27, and 28. Jesus does this great teaching about um, 
The house divided will not stand about how God has to fight for you or you'll never win. If God is on your side, you're a loser. You're going to lose. And if God's on your side, you're going to win no matter your circumstances. And he makes this great, great proclamation about this. And in the heat of the moment, the word says this in 27 of chapter 11, as Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd shouted out. This woman had been preached to shouting back to Jesus. You know what I'm saying? She's out there and she's having an experience. And she hears Jesus talking about how the fight is between God and Beelzebub and the house divided won't stand and you got to drive out the, the weak man with the strong man and then you got to clean the house. And she says, hallelujah, blessed is the woman, blessed is the mother who gave you birth and who nursed you. She says that from the back of the room. Praise God. And Jesus says this, no, rather, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Did he denigrate his mom? No. He says mom was obedient. Mom believed God. Mom believed God could do something in her life. And listen, the same is true for us. This is the remarkable thing. We hear the story about Mary, and we ask the question, are we being unfair? But then Jesus answers, Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it or, or keep it or observe it. That's what Jesus said. Here's the truth. Do you know that Jesus is calling you? Do you know that Jesus is trying to break through in your life? Do you know that he's standing at the door and he's knocking? He's like, hello, are you with me? Are we going somewhere? Are we going to take this trip? See, here's the funny thing. If you listen to the testimony of Mary, it's a testimony of us sinners. Jesus Christ saw my low estate. All generations will call us blessed. <laughs> Not just Mary. All the generations will be like, you were blessed by God because he saved you. He chose to reveal himself to you. He invited you in. The mighty one has done great things for us. His name is holy. His mercy is for all the generations to come, even those babies not yet born, that Jesus is going to reveal himself to babies not yet born. He's going to save them. And all the things that she goes through, the scattering of the proud in heart, the bringing down the rulers, the people who are, who are, who are dominating right now, and we say, God, how can this be happening? He's bringing them low, and he's elevating those who are humble, and he's filling those who are hunger with good things. He's filling us with good things. He's helping Israel and he's remembering his mercy. These are promises for those who would believe what God says is true. My question is this. Do you believe what God says is true? Do you believe it for your life? See, I hope that we don't denigrate Mary, man. I hope we don't. I hope we go, wow, she's so faithful. I want to be like that. I want to believe when God says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. I want to look past my circumstance to believe his great future for me. I want to believe that no matter what comes in this life, in the end, I'm victorious. I win because Jesus said so. Pray with me if you would. Father God, we thank you so much for the chance that we have to be victorious in your name. We thank you that you did for us what we could never do for ourselves. And Lord, I feel that voice inside of me that would creep up and say, ah, I'm pretty good, but I'm not you are. I'm not holy. You are. And maybe there's someone here today who has that little voice in their head, and they're going, yeah, I feel that too. I, I kind of sense like I'm good enough, but I know I'm not. Father, would you continue to love us enough to break that in our spirits, that we could rejoice in your gift of eternal life for free? 
that we celebrate the gospel, the good news of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the chance we've had to come together and to witness the working of your church and to remember again the invitation to mercy that we've all been given in Christ. Father, I want to say this to you. Thank you for remembering your mercy to your people. We do not deserve it, but you have given it abundantly in Christ. For anyone here today that doesn't know you in this way, that maybe they heard today for the first time that knock at the door, that I pray that by your power that they would just respond with, yeah, come in. Yes, I want to know. Yeah, I want to follow. I just, I'll, just, I'll just come with you, Jesus, and see what happens. I don't know what's going to happen. I'll come with you and see what happens. Father, would you do that work today amongst your people for your glory and, Lord, for our good, that we could experience more and more of you. We love you so much. We thank you for the chance we've had to gather together today. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen.